Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, and welcome to What Future. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. And today, I got to say, we've got a banger of an episode. I'm very excited about it. In fact, it's such a great conversation that I don't even want to waste time telling you about how great it's going to be. I don't want to sit here and ramble because you should just listen to it. You should just hear it. I had the rare and wonderful opportunity to talk to the actor, comedian, writer, Nicholas Rutherford, Nick Rutherford, if you want to, uh, if you want to go by his more casual name, uh, he's an executive producer on Rick and Morty and a super smart, funny guy. And we had a killer conversation and I want to get right into it. So let's go. Rutherford. Am I saying that right? Your name is pronounced Rutherford? Yeah, that's correct. Nick Rutherford. Yeah. Topolsky? Topolsky is correct. According to your Wikipedia page, which you have, (laughs) uh, you're an actor, a comedian, a writer, and a co-founder of the sketch comedy group Good Neighbor. But are you a patriot? That's what I'd like to know. Oh, I mean... I think I'm the best type of patriot. A patriot who holds his country's feet to the fire. Yeah. You know, a patriot who asks the questions that a lot of patriots don't ask. Like, for instance. You know, um, for instance, what is Arbor Day? 
Yeah, what is Arbor Day? I think that's a celebration yeah. of trees, right? Okay. Yeah, I assume so, but I mean Arbor is like art like that's a tree thing? Yeah, I think if you're like an arborist, you're a yeah. tree scientist. Yeah. Let's look um, it up. What is Arbor Day? So it's tree day? So isn't it so Earth Day doesn't cover trees? Um, it's a secular uh day of observance in which individuals and groups are encouraged to plant trees. Is it a national holiday? Might be. Yeah, it's National a- Arbor Day. It's not a government holiday. We don't get you gotta get work off for our <laughs> No, they don't day. give you off for they don't give you they don't give you a day off to plant a tree. That would be no, that's the kind of thing that Republicans talk about as like the end state of liberals of what liberals want is the they're gonna stop you from working so you can go out and plant a tree. That's like a that's like a conservative nightmare scenario. You know, you don't right, get that's you don't, a worst worst case. Yeah, worst scenarios you have to you're like forced to take off work and go plant a tree by you know liberals. Anyhow, yeah. Also, we don't have to talk about politics. I don't even know how. I guess because I asked you, you were, if you were a patriot, that was a huge mistake. Yeah, huge misstep on my part. But yeah, you led it there pretty quickly. Yeah, I did. That's my fucking. That's my fault. Are you a very political person? Do you feel do you politically minded? Um, politically motivated? I think as I get a bit older, I get a little more politically involved. I like to be politically involved on a local level. I think that's kind of what's missing. Like in your house. Yeah, in <laughs> house, neighborhood, councils. <laughs> right. Are you on a count? Are you on a city council or something? Are you on a neighborhood? No, no. But I thought I wanted to be. I wanted to be, like, get on my neighborhood council, and then I. I pitched that idea to somebody, a friend, and they were like, absolutely do not do that. It'll yeah. just, it's so, it's, it'll suck your life away, which is a bummer. You know, that those jobs should be, those positions should, <laughs> should be, be fun. Um, desirable. Yeah. No, no, no. They're for sure. Uh, like local getting involved in local government or local like neighborhood sort of stuff is for a certain type of individual, which is why you, you end up with like a lot of really old people doing it because it is a huge time suck, I believe. And it's kind of like, the work is not very rewarding in a lot of ways. And it, I don't think they even pay or they pay very little. Yeah. My wife opened a bookstore in our town and uh, I mean, I helped a little bit, but it's really hers. And uh, what, is, what did you do? Well, I built the shelves and I picked the wallpaper and oh. she's become like a member of whatever the uh, business, you know, the, uh, whatever oh, sure. it is. A business alliance. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, she has to go to meetings. Business. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound fun, I guess, but she enjoys it because she likes she likes tedious shit, uh, which is why we're married. And she's and she's elderly. <laughs> she's she's also eighty five years old, and so that's right. really helpful. Yeah. Uh, she's got for, a lot of time for her. Time. She's got plenty of time and and nowhere to go. <laughs> um, okay, so so you have an Emmy, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I do. You worked on uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah, well, I'm currently working on Rick and Morty. I mean, not currently because we're on strike. Yeah. Oh right. Well, Han, we're going to get to the strike because there's a lot to talk about there. But. Yeah. First, I want to I want to explore your your Emmy wins. How many Emmys do you have? Um, well, now <laughs> I have check. one Emmy, and yeah. I have what I won one Emmy, and I've lost one Emmy, and I'm up for not me. The show's up for an Emmy, but I'm included in but the show. You show's got one. I mean, I got one. Yeah, as a as a as a producer. producer. So I'm an EP. I'm an executive producer on Rick and Morty now. Right. At the time, I was a, some lower producer, but I I still made the cut. Um, yeah, executive producer. That's a pretty big deal. That's a big. That's is. It's one of the big ones. And let me tell you, it's, it's just, it's all, uh, it's all in a name. <laughs> so you don't actually do anything? No, 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 I don't yeah. do anything. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I, you know, I watch cuts and I look at edits and I've written songs. You're a song producer. Now I'm a song producer. Are yeah. you? Really? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Because like, I like to put songs in my episodes and then I get to like write them with um, Ryan Elder, who's our composer. 
<laughs> he does really all the hard musical lifting and I just write silly lyrics and the melodies. Right. That's the best. Uh, that's that's like yeah. uh that's Led Zeppelin right there. It's like John Paul Jones was doing all the hard work. Like, you know, Jimmy Page was writing the riffs and then Robert Plant was just like, I'm gonna write about Lord of the Rings. Is that cool? Like I'm going to do a song about Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you know much about Led Zeppelin. They have several songs about Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh, yeah. Because, like, Lord of the Rings was kind of big for, like, metal, like, rock and roll, right? I feel like yeah, a lot of metal they were bands mystical. Love that. They were mystical yeah, guys. mystical and yeah. dwarfs. I mean, he, you know, Robert Plant, he talks about Gollum in one of the, in, uh, in, in Gollum or whatever the guy's name Gollum, is from yeah. Gollum. He, they, he references him by name in, in at least one song, if not. Uh, and he talks about Mordor, uh, like specifically, it's actually really funny when you think about it. Like, uh, like you wouldn't hear a song on the radio these days that is like specifically talking about Lord of the Rings, like characters in Lord of the Rings. If, so. if like a band today did it, did a song about like the rings of power on Amazon. There's no history to this yet. When you think about Led Zeppelin though, they were like so sexy. People were like these fuck, I'll fuck these guys no matter what. Like, how do I get to them? I want to have sex with Robert Plant. And meanwhile, He's like on stage, literally fucking singing about the biggest nerd shit. That's the hugest turnoff for most people. Like literally name checking characters from the Lord of the Rings books. <laughs> like it's it's a weird, it's a weird, it was a weird time in, in the world. That was a time too when nerd shit was nerd shit. Like nerds uh, yeah. were beat up. And no, not no, no, no. Like, this was yeah. like in the seventies. Like like Lord of the Rings was not cool in the seventies. Like like I mean, I'm not even sure if it's cool now. Like to be honest with you, it's just that like it's become popular enough. But yeah, very strange. Anyhow. Uh, so we were talking, what the fuck were we doing? Oh, your Emmys. <laughs> okay, so we were talking about you writing songs in order to get Emmys. Uh, you don't get Emmys for songwriting, though, do you? No, but I want it. That would be great to get a Grammy. But, so when Rick and Morty won one year, it was a Zoom Emmys? It was like the pandemic Emmys? Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... I mean, congratulations, but... No, but yeah, it's also great, right? <laughs> I mean, you still got the Emmys. Still like got they... the Emmy, yeah. They sent it to my house months later, and, you know, I had to watch it on a laptop screen. Yeah. But the day of the Emmys, I was actually recording a podcast with my friend, Nick Turner. Oh, my God. Who was like, well, all we're going to do is we're going to go um, metal detecting at the beach. <laughs> and I was like, that should be fine. We should be done by the time the Emmys start. Yeah. And we were metal detecting and I texted one of the other producers like, hey, so what time do the Emmys start? And like, when are we up? And he wrote back, I was probably wearing a tank top and shorts and I'm like a, you know, like a Panama hat and I was right. metal detecting in Santa Monica. And he replies immediately, they started right now and we're the first one up. Like we're the very first award. And so I told Nick and Nick, I was like, guys, I am sorry. We have to, I have to go. To their credit, they were like, oh, Jesus, of course, absolutely. And then we right. all piled in a car and zipped across town and somehow found like a live stream of the Emmys on one of our phones. And when we pulled it up, the first thing we saw was Dan Harmon, the, one of the creators of Rick and Morty, was giving his pre-recorded acceptance speech. Oh. <laughs> and uh, we were like, uh, I think we won. Maybe we won. Or, and I was like, we don't know. Maybe they also show the losers pre-recorded <laughs> acceptance speeches. <laughs> Because it's the pandemic. That'd be really cruel, actually. They're like, we got to fill time. Cruel. Like, just everybody record. We don't know who's going to win. Everybody record a winning speech, though, and then we'll just show them all. Well, that's, I mean, they somebody has 
access to all of these videos. Everybody right. had to record a speech. Oh, say, Thank right. you so much so why, to the Academy. They couldn't cut to they couldn't cut live to to Dan like to, speaking. No, or no? That, that would have been way more fun. If it was right. all pre-recorded. Yeah. Right. I mean, there was probably a live host, but you know. I mean, was so, there? But anyway, it was not it wasn't as glamorous of an event as as you would hope. So you haven't won an Emmy in person, is what you're saying. I lost an Emmy in person. Oh, okay. Last year it's not we the lost. same though, is it? Not the same. No. Who'd you lose to? The the, the animation category is odd. So we lost to an hour long Netflix anime drama. Oh. That is like all CGI and it's very pretty, but it's yeah. a drama. It's like, how do you put like a very nihilistic comedy, half hour comedy against an hour long drama? Yeah. And so this year, so we lost and it was very upsetting. And this year we're up also up against Netflix again. The Netflix show, quote unquote, is a full <laughs> feature length animated movie. Oh, which it's movie? not even a show. What I don't movie? know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I should know. So they got a hit or miss over there. You never know. It could be one of the bad ones. Maybe you've got a good chance. Maybe they, maybe they're nominating shit. You know, that does seem unfair. Like, why put a show against a movie? First off, that feels like. I think the animation category is mature enough that you could have like subcategories, right? You could have like yeah, there should be. animated comedy. You could have animated drama. You could do like animated feature length. Short. Yeah. I feel like movies and shows should not go against each other. I no, think that's like a not. totally weird. Uh, I think at the very least you'd separate those out, you know, I, I don't want to be a, you know, what? it's fun, but <laughs> you want that Emmy. I want that Emmy. Of course. Yeah. What's better than one Emmy, two Emmys. But, um, right. We're also in the, we're in the creative arts Emmys. Oh, which is like the week before the televised big fun Emmys. It's fucking that's so wild. Like they're not even like that. You guys get to be part of like the regular Emmys. You guys are like a special effect. Is that the idea? You're like sound design. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We're, we're right. like sound engineers and stuff. And all these are critical jobs. I'm not poo-pooing these jobs. No, but, it but also, it's just it's just like you're creating a TV show as much as anybody else's. It just happens to be animated. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, it's always against Simpsons and Bob's Burger. It's all these legacy shows. Right. And it's, and it's in between like best animal handler right in a way there's an argument to there is an argument that should those shows just be in the regular category not even animated like just the quality of the show who cares about the format i mean who cares about whether it's a drawn these people are drawn or right i mean i don't know that's a tough that would be tough though right because then you'd be up against like um, better call saul yeah i'm trying well no because that's a isn't that an hour-long drama you wouldn't those aren't all like you don't put a sitcom against a drama don't they have categories for those you I think, know nothing about I mean, the yeah, Everything I'm talking about the animated categories is there. The category is just anything that's drawn. Yeah. Well, see, I know, I guess I have been out of touch with the Emmys. I actually think award shows are, should be banned. I think they're uh, bad for society, but I'm glad that you won an Emmy. I'm very, I'm happy for you, but I also <laughs> yeah. think that this, the fundamental idea of the Emmy is bad for yeah, society. Well, it, weren't they uh, initially, weren't the Oscars at least initially like a union busting thing? That sounds right to me. Maybe we should yeah. know this right now because we're at a, at a critical juncture. We're in a, yeah. uh, I'm sure for you, you have probably several uh, unions that you're striking with right now, right? Yeah, because, I'm striking with SAG, AFTRA, and WJ. I'm double striking. Do you, are you all on one picket line, or do you go like cross town, like to another picket line for the for like the actors? No, they it's all it's all mixed. It's like a yeah. big mixer. Um, and it was mm. nice when the acting when SAG got involved because they brought a lot of energy to the picket line. But they also love these, the SAG-AFTRA crew really loves doing picket line karaoke. Ooh, 
And I feel like <laughs> we should just right. be a little more stoic out there. No, no, nothing. Nobody should be seemingly having fun. It should be, people yeah, should be. But they've made it a party. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I mean, I know it's very wrong for whoever cut back those trees to not provide shade for people. But in a way, I think sweating in the heat with your picket sign shows the, the struggle. You know, it makes the struggle look right. more. What we're willing to, we'll fight. Yeah, you don't. I actually think you're gonna. You lose people. I'm not telling anybody how to strike. By the way, as a person who's never been on strike, uh, I I shouldn't really comment on it. But I just feel like you want people to see uh, suffering. You want people to feel like that there's pain being inflicted on you in a way. Yeah, you want you it know? to look like a dust bowl, like food line. Yeah, I would. If anything, I would have get those actors dressing up. They probably have costumes laying around. I would assume. Absolutely. You know, like yeah, they should clothes. all be in like 1920s, like fucking Woody Guthrie shit, like out there, right? Like With patched up <laughs> elbows on their yeah. blazers and the fucking yeah. thing. Like their their picket sign should be on that whatever those things are that are the being bindle. Takes, what are yeah. they called? Uh, it's a bindle. The the ba- like a little handkerchief filled with yeah, dry filled goods with your, hung on your the goods. Stick. Yeah, yeah, for a train jumping. Yeah, I, I think. I think they're missing yeah, I opportunity. Really, I know all about this. <laughs> you this do. This is a based podcast, right? I think, I, think, I think they're missing an opportunity to actually uh, engage in their craft in a way. Yeah. Like, don't go out there and sing fucking songs. Go out and pretend to be a 1920s striker, you know? Yeah. Cover yourself in oil or something and be like... Bro- brother, can you spare a dime? Yes, energy, yes. You know? I yeah. mean, it, it is t- it is tough because, like, obviously there's these huge strikes going on. And clearly, I mean, I, for my money, and I'm not an expert on anything, but it seems like the studios are in the wrong here on a bunch of different levels. And it feels like some of the, some of the th- gives that are required would in no way damage their actual businesses uh, in any meaningful manner. It seems that way, you know, at least the right? infographics I see. I see all that shit and it's like, oh, this would be like less than 1% of their total profit to like fix these problems or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like nothing. I mean, you you know, writers and actors, that sounds like a luxury gig. I think there's a, there is a thing that happens with the creative arts. Obviously it provides a huge amount of things to, to the rest of society, but also like these are real jobs. Not everybody is like Brad Pitt. Like there are people right. who just have like day jobs. They have the big, like fucking less than minimum wage or whatever, essentially, like if you add it all up, like just do, not everybody's a super huge success, right? Like they're just working. Yeah. I think that the, the consensus is like, oh, you've been on TV once, you're a millionaire. Yes. And that is yes. far, far from the truth. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to think if you were on TV, it was like you were famous, like you had made it. Like if you went on to- I, I think it might've been more like that. Well, A, there was like four shows on TV. <laughs> right. Four channels, yeah. four shows. Yeah. And they yeah. just played constantly. But now with the streamers, everything, I mean, these, t- these points have been poured over many times and I'm not going to do any favors to them. So I think now it's the, the market is so flooded and there's so many things and there's new media contracts and there's streaming contracts. Right. And, right. And it, so the pay has gone down and residuals are kind of non-existent because everything's streaming. And, and for whatever reason, when they sorted out the streaming stuff, all the unions were kind of like, yeah, whatever, we'll, we'll just figure it out down the line. Right. And now we're like, wait a second. It was probably like not that big of a deal. I mean, th- it's always like this. I mean, this has happened, you know, in media, like in news media. It was like when Google started, nobody was like, hmm, that could be a problem. They were like, this is a cute little thing that the nerds are messing around with. Like right. YouTube, is that's cute. not a problem. That's not a threat to us. Right. Yeah, YouTube, nobody was like, huh, that could be a thing. But that's the difference between, you know, the people who make those things and the legacy, whatever people who are like, yeah, we're, we'll, ne- our business will never be threatened. Nothing will ever change. It is really like a weird thing that people are like, 
feel impervious to change and when it's like obviously happening constantly around us yeah trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education that empowers communities trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Whoever takes the side of the company, like I can't imagine a scenario where I'm like, oh, actually, how dare these teachers ask for more money? Right. The fat cats at the top, they <laughs> yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's like hard to imagine going like, well, I think Disney is getting a raw deal here. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. like I don't think that's an Netflix. We got to, hey, come on. We got to help Netflix out, man. They're really struggling. The subscriber base is down. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, you know, it's tough because it's creative. And like anything creative, people are basically like, like there's no value attached to it in a weird way. Like, yes, you love to go see movies, but like when you really think about like the people who make the movie, you kind of don't give a shit. Like most people kind of don't give a shit. They don't think it's like toiling in a factory and it is not to some extent, although 
plenty of those jobs are really hard labor. And like, I'm not saying an actor's job is like, you know, building a, a fucking AC unit in a factory, but like, it's, it's, I think there's this interesting disconnect. I feel sort of happening now where like the strike's going on so long that people, I can almost see, I don't think people's like attitudes are turning, but I think it's hard. I guess this is as we were talking about the Dust Bowl costumes or whatever, like how do you make people continue to care about it? You know, when there's all this stuff going on that, that feels like more important. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you have an answer to that, to that question. I don't like know. A, I mean, it's tough. I, I, I really curious what you think the temperature is of the public perception outside of the entertainment industry. Cause it's tough being within it. Yeah. I, you know, my echo chamber is just like, why won't they just give up 1.6% of their like end of the line profits and satisfy everybody yeah, but I wonder, like the their average Stranger Things fan, are they just like, what's when's the next season coming? Get back to work. A hundred percent. They're not. They're not. I don't think they they consider it. I don't think they're like, hey, what happened? But then when does the? I guess that's the question. With all this abundance, I mean, this is sort of the part of the problem, right? Like this huge abundance of content means that you basically like never feel like you're running out. And like, is there this thing? Is a thing happening now where like before it would have stopped TV, would have stopped film, like, but there's so much shit that's just like accumulated on these streaming services and in the, on these, you know, the shelves of a Disney or whatever that it, people don't feel it the way they used to. Right. Like, you know, like right. it's like all the shit's going on. And then there's like Barbie and Oppenheimer, the two biggest like films of the year yeah, yeah. that seem to be totally outside of this reality of striking or whatever, you know, like, yeah, presumably all of the people who worked on those movies who wrote, for them and and acted in them are all striking right they're members of these unions oh absolutely and also like probably not supposed to promote it i think that i think barbie came out pre-sag strike i don't remember for sure but like you know margot robbie and gosling are going to go out and promote the movie of course right but it is a weird thing it's a hard thing to celebrate this great film when we're also fighting for viable existences right. and trying to like pave a path forward for other people to enter this industry yeah and the saddest thing is like, you know, within the Rick and Morty world, within my my bubble, there's people have are getting let go every day. People who aren't in WJ and aren't in SAG, but it's like, well, we're not in production. We're not writing new episodes and we don't need this production coordinator. So right. good luck. We hope to see you when it comes back. And all of the industries that are attached to like making this stuff presumably yeah, are getting right. eviscerated right now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, to, to the other side, it's an absolute necessary critical strike. And I do like that it feels like we're a part of a larger labor movement now and um, standing up against these like big giant conglomerates and being and doing so successfully. You know, they had the UPS strike, which was like settled in a day. Yeah. I think there's like air, like airline attendants are now are like now kind of mustering up. I think the all of the animators who do S like special effects for Marvel movies have yeah. are basically going to strike and say, no, we want to unionize too. And I think that's great. The fact that it's like becoming, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll get a better deal at the end of the day, but I hope it also opens the conversation up for other people to be like, yeah, well we should have a better deal too. What the hell's going on? And I think that's happening. You know, it's funny. Like I come from a family of like socialists like jews like my great aunt was like a labor organizer you know they were like oh that's cool you know she had like lunch with trotsky but she was like you know like they moved from like ukraine to pittsburgh and was like you know helped to start like a a you know space like a socialist labor group or whatever so like i get like i get this and it's but it is interesting because like it is there's a there is a bit of a frame in america for sure especially in america that like unions are evil and unions are bad. It's like people have bought the line of the corporations and like, 
I don't like begrudge a corporation for making a lot of money, but I think when you see the fucking disparity, uh, you know, the pandemic was really interesting where it's like Amazon's like there is just being so much money is being accumulated there while everybody else is like eating shit. And it's like, yeah, this feels wrong. Like it feels like there's some disparity. And how do you, how do you balance it? How do you ever balance it? And the only way that anybody has to balance it is like, is collective action now because it's, because they are, these corporations are so massive and have so much power and so much money that it's impossible to, to really like on a one-to-one -one level affect anything that they do. And like, I think it's amazing. Like, I love the fact that people are, I don't love that people are striking. Like people shouldn't have to strike, but right. Yeah. The UPS thing is interesting. Doing it. The UPS yeah. thing was interesting. Like, and picketing is exciting, you know, it, it's fun. I don't know. It feels really fun to be a part. I, and that's such a privileged thing to say, oh, it's fun to be a part of a labor right. <laughs> or a labor movement. But I mean, like it, I, I, you see people activated on the street, you run into all these old friends, everybody's walking in the miserable, miserable heat. It, it feels, it's a cool thing to be a part of and it's important. Yeah. And, um, you know, nobody's going to get Stranger Things season six or whatever it is until, <laughs> well, until they start paying people. Well, you know, but it's also part of this. I think there's this just overwhelming amount of content. Like, I just think yeah. it, there was a time when, I mean, when the Stranger Things began, there actually were not that many shows being produced by Netflix, you know, like it, it, I mean, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it was, you know, a handful of things were coming out of Netflix not like a new show every day. And now we just have this, not just Netflix, it's like all of these services just feel like they have so over indexed on content. And so much of it is like, really mediocre but, you know but you like, know the other thing that's happening which is really wild and disheartening is and, and it's basically legal insurance fraud so this guy zaslav who is like now the ceo of warner brothers warner universal which is basically owns everything everybody loves yeah so what they're doing just to like clear their bottom line and look better is they are taking existing shows that are, are available to stream and they're erasing them from existence. So they, they basically go to their insurance company because they have insurance on all these shows. And they say, uh, this was a wash. They total the car. They say, hey, take the whole car. We're not going to fix it. Right. And we'll take our insurance back. So like, you know, I probably shouldn't say any of these numbers, but like I, I we made a show for Adult Swim. I want to say our full budget for the three seasons of it was like 20 million, something like that. And they're going to wipe it from existence at the end of our Hulu contract. It'll just, you won't be able to watch it anywhere. Check it on Pirate Bay. I know it's there. Right. What's uh, it called? It's called Dream Corp LLC, mm. which was this hybrid animation, live action, really beautiful show. Um, but that's one example. And it famously happened with Batgirl. Yeah, Bill, Batgirl's crazy. They made an entire yeah. movie that would be like then, a large part of a, of a franchise or whatever. And then just wiped it. And then they, yeah. they, they get back a fraction of their budget. And then they go, look, see, here we go. And that's disheartening. Like, you know, how many actors were in that and writers and crew oh who were like, I'm going to be a part of this huge thing. There's definitely going to be a Batgirl too. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, nah. I mean, Michael, I think Michael Keaton's in it. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, it probably wouldn't be great, but like, you know, like <laughs> none of the DC movies seem that good to me, but it's probably like, would be fun to watch. And maybe that's, I mean, maybe that's the problem though. I mean, look at the, what's going on out there. Like, Maybe we've got too much bad girl. I mean, I'm not. I'm not agreeing with. I'm not agreeing with the the, the fat cats. Okay, right. I'm. Just, I'm just saying, like, yeah. It, it feels. I mean, I almost think like the Barbie Oppenheimer thing is an interesting. It seems a little bit more like. Well, I don't know. It's tough. Like Barbie is like based on a fucking doll. You know, like it's based on literally like a toy. And so I was like, well, maybe right. this franchise thing is kind of over. But 
but they do feel like more like works of art than a lot of stuff that's put out into the world these days. Like a lot of these, like it feels like Disney's on just on this, like they just have to release more Marvel content. It just feels more like Marvel it's content just, or redo any animated film, live action. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is, that stuff is so bizarre to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. So I want to talk about Rick and Morty for a second. I have a couple of thoughts. Uh-huh. How long, and how long have you been working on the show? Not from the beginning. Not from the beginning. I came in like halfway through season four, basically. Okay. Okay. And we're season six aired most recently and seven is going to come out eventually. So, so Rick and Morty is an interesting show in that when I started watching it, I was like, you know, crying, laughing. Like I thought it was like one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. And I'm like, this is so fucking weird, right? It's a weird, weird show. And it only got, I feel like, especially in the first, you know, several seasons of it, I don't think I've watched the last season, but I've watched everything up until that. Certainly got progressively more weird and obscure and sort of whatever. But here's the thing that I find, I'm going to try to say this in a way that doesn't sound insulting, because I, <laughs> I don't want I don't want to insult, I don't want to insult you or anybody who's worked on it. Okay. Like, I think it's really smart and really funny. I think, you know... I think it crosses some lines that for a lot of people are probably like they, they don't feel comfortable where how those lines are crossed, but that's like neither here nor there. The thing that I find somewhat troubling about it is like, I feel like it became very popular with people. I feel like they like it for reasons that are different yeah. than the ones I like it for. Yes. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And like, yeah, I do. There's a vocal minority fan base. That's kind of in silly guys. Yeah. Well, because the, the, you know, the protagonist Rick is this like nothing matters, get fucked up, have sex with everything. Love right. isn't real. Like he, there's like an angry teenager in that character that people relate to. Right. But it's sort of like a Rorschach, you know, from Watchmen. Like, I actually, there's a meme that's like, Rorschach is my favorite superhero. Um, but like, yeah, you know, Rorschach in the Watchmen, I don't know how familiar you are with Watchmen, but, yeah, um, I love Watchmen. you know, right. So, you know, is a really fucked up character, like really fucked up. And like all of the, all of the, all of the superheroes, it's like kind of like identifying with like the, you know, like, oh, you're like the comedian, he's awesome. Like identifying with a character that's obviously super fucked up and flawed. Right. And I, it's, I think like there's a difference between like laughing alongside or, or experiencing that person's story versus like being like, I identify. Is that what it is? Is like people, these like guys identifying with like, like Rick, is that? I, I think so. I, I mean, I, I think so. I think it's like enabling you in a way. It's like, oh, cool. I also hate everything and I'm pissed with my life. So right. like, I'm going to get behind this guy. Um, and, and, you know, like there, there was a lot of pushback, like the first, you know, any show, it had a small writer's room at the beginning. And then like, as it grew, they got a larger writer's room and, I, and they hired, you know, a more diverse writer's room. And then the super like Reddit fans were like, Oh, they ruined it because a girl wrote this episode. And right, it's like, of course. You, I mean, they're a right. A girl wrote Pickle Rick, you <laughs> stupid asshole. Like, no, I, no, no. The girl, like, if a girl writes an episode, it's automatically bad content. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I mean, no, yeah. It's like, it's like, it's sort of in a way, like, it kind of, I don't want to say ruined the show for me, but there is an element where, like, I'm almost like, I don't, like, it's like almost embarrassing to say you like it. I'm sorry. Again, I don't want to, it's a fucking great show and it's really smart and funny. I just want to be clear. Like, I think it's an, it, like really one of the most unique shows that's ever been made. And yet the fandom of it has like, can be a turnoff. Yeah. It's created this weird yeah. sort of tension, even within me. I'm not saying like, I can't be true to what I love or whatever, but there's like a, yeah. I mean, is there, I mean, <laughs> Does that ever, how much does that come up? Like when you're working on it, like, I'm curious because it feels to me like 
it would create a lot of self-consciousness or maybe more self-consciousness about like the kinds of jokes you put in or the way you write certain characters. I'm just curious, like, is that I mean, ever uh, a topic? Yeah, I think, you know, everybody who writes on the show that I've worked with for now four plus seasons is like the funniest, smartest people. Everybody is, you, you, everybody is on the right side of history. And <laughs> right. it's, it's certainly a consideration, you know, it's like, we want to be true to the show. We want to be true to the roots. It was a like, stick this, this big seed up your ass, Morty. And I'm going to mistreat, I'm going to treat my grandson really badly. Cause I want to get laid by an alien. Like it's all problematic behavior. So you want to like recognize like, Hey, this is not, this is a flawed character and this person needs to grow. And yeah. we can't just start a new season where he is now a feminist and now, uh, you know, is, 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 is you can't like completely transform a character, but you can also, what we get to do is let these characters grow and we get to explore the other characters that, and, and these other storylines that are more interesting to me, more interesting to the people in the room. And, and I don't know the fan base is catching on and, and, and the last few seasons have been great and. Yeah, it's a consideration to some extent, but like it's also it's it's just the people who are the loudest online, and so <laughs> right, they always kind know, of for, fuck up everything for everybody. Yeah, so for the guy, what, what, for every one guy who's like, oh, I want to be like a Rick because he treats women badly. There's right. like thirty people who are like, oh, I think it's a fun, smart show that talks about you know that's really a family sitcom at its heart, and. <laughs> well, <laughs> that I mean, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. so it has the dynamic of a family sitcom with. Nothing that would ever yeah. work for a family sitcom in a way. And, and we, when I first watched it too, the same, I was like, I didn't know you could do this on TV. Like, yeah, this is fun. Like, okay. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Like, I just want to be clear. Like, I love the show. And I think one of the things that I was always sort of I've surprised by, and I can't remember what season, maybe it was even in the, in the first season, like the arc of the season and the way they the way they have at least several seasons ended is like quite emotional, like quite like dramatic in a way that is catches you off guard. And I think it's very rare for a show that can be as um, it's, you know, sort of in the sphere of like a BoJack Horseman, like there's a cerebralness to it that like is sometimes expressed like purely in like the comedic, but like often ends up being like pretty dramatic. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's unique in that sense. And it's in, in like a really interesting and, and, and hilarious work of art. I just, I, I wanted to ask about it because it's something that like, I feel like I think fandom in general is really, is really tricky lately. And, and I think that like, yeah, it almost goes back going back to the Led Zeppelin Lord of the Rings thing. Like, <laughs> like good host yeah, here. you know, like that was a time when, yeah, it to be into things that were nerdy was considered very uncool and it was very unpopular. And not to say that every nerd was awesome or whatever, but I think that it meant that those people, I think, found each other in a way um, that created real communities that were like communities about people sharing things they love together. And it feels like modern fandom is like almost this like weaponized mutation of that where it's like we are a community not banding together to share in our love of something but banding together to like destroy anybody who doesn't share in our love of this thing which is like your your point about like the episode being written by a woman and they're all like fucking pissed about it or whatever the idea that that being a fan of something could become so vitriolic and hateful just seems like a total perversion of the concept yeah exactly well i mean the the classic like rick and morty super fan is like oh like oh i love rick and morty and someone's like oh i love rick and morty too and then that super fan's like no but you don't get it like i get it like <laughs> right. that, that it's a competition who loves it the most who really understands it like it's too deep for you yeah yeah i don't know where i don't know where that comes from you know it's a sign of our society i guess that <laughs> people are desperately trying to find something that's theirs that they could be a part of like, I don't know why we're not getting that in our interaction. You know, we've we've messed up somewhere that that people's whole identity becomes Captain America, you know? Hey, look, the whole thing, and maybe Rick and Morty is a contributor to this, although I would say on the higher end, like, I think we've all been, like, pretty heavily infantilized, like, as adults. Like, I think we've all, like, the Star Wars should go, like, Star Wars doesn't need to continue into, like, doesn't need to be a part of your life forever. Like, it, it's possible <laughs> that it could be a thing that you love as, like, a teenager or as a kid or whatever, and then, like, you move on to other to other forms of like entertainment or, in, you know, 
you know, enrichment. Yeah, classical or, music, ballet. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, know, I don't fucking know. But like, <laughs> these are something beyond Star Wars. Like, what if you never get out of Star Wars? What if you're stuck in the loop and you're like, now you're seeing Solo and you're like, well, it's not that good, but like, at least I'm getting more Star Wars. You know, you get stuck at these like tracks of like, okay, now this is a thing. And can't they just be like, you're not going to, they're not making Oppenheimer 2, you know? Like, right. It's just not saying, you know, I haven't seen it yet. So maybe it's, maybe it's not that good, but. No, they do set up a sequel at the end. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. There's a post credit scene where, uh, uh, Nick, Nick Frost, I don't know who's the guy, where, where, where one of the agents of Nick S.H.I.E.L.D., Fury. Where Nick Fury comes over and like puts his hand on Oppenheimer's shoulder and he's like, we're very interested in the work you've done. Oh my so, God. That, that fucking. I'm sorry, but I wish that Christopher Nolan had been could take, could could not take himself too seriously to have done that because it would be the greatest fucking thing that ever happened in film history. Like I think yeah. if yeah. you did a three hour movie about the creation of the atomic bomb that was super fucking serious, and then you had a post credit scene that like linked it to the Marvel universe, I mean, be amazing. God, be amazing. somebody needs to make that scene. Like they should hire the actors just to film that scene. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I want, I think every movie and the, and the, the, the farther detached from the Marvel universe, the better should end with Nick Fury coming in and saying, we want you to work for shield. I mean, what would have been all the just ultimate fucking synergy with, with Barbie and Oppenheimer is if they had come up with a post-credit scene that somehow linked those universes together. Like if, oh, yeah. if Nick Fury had maybe shown up in both movies, <laughs> you know? I want to introduce you to, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh fuck. God. Oh man. This is uh, now I'm understanding why you're in uh, these uh, creative fields. Uh, you've got great ideas. I mean, yeah. uh, really good stuff. Yeah, just throw fury, and that's my pitch in the room all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were you wrote for SNL for a little while? Is that correct? Yeah, I did one season on SNL. One season. Uh, Let's talk about. Yeah. Tell me about the horrific um, situation that led to your dismissal at SNL. Can we talk about this? Is you know, this... I wish I wish it was exciting. <laughs> What'd you do to Lauren? I I didn't I didn't do anything. Maybe I didn't drink the Kool Aid enough. But I wish it was more exciting. It like. It was very, there, it was unceremonial. I just, my contract wasn't renewed. And I found out like over the summer, it was like, yeah, you're not going back. And then they sent me, they sent me a giant box that had everything that was in my office. Um, <laughs> oh, that's efficient. It's nice that yeah. you guys, they take the summer off to fire people. They're like, yeah, yeah. Lauren was like, you know what I like to do is if everybody leaves and then we can just pick who we don't like and send them their shit. That's right, smart. Right. Then we talk shit about them behind their back. I mean, most businesses, you have to do it. Like you have to bring the person into like an HR conversation and then they like somebody escorts them out of the building. Like this is, it's way cleaner to do it that way. Yeah. You just don't even bother. What do you think? What What is it? Like you didn't have like a, you didn't come up with like a character or something like somebody with a catchphrase. Like what, what is, what do you think like know. the you criteria know, it, is? It's been so far from it. I, I mean, I, I didn't get a lot of stuff on the show. I don't know if the show really is my bag of humor. Mm. So my strengths, I don't think really played to the show's strengths. Like it's too uh, mainstream, too. Yeah, it's a little juvenile. It's a, I probably, I don't think I could talk about this. Well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, these I, are my I, words. You're not, you know, what are they going to do? They're not going to rehire you. Yeah, exactly. Fire me again. <laughs> yeah. But they probably won't invite me to the fiftieth anniversary party, which you know. The, the oh no, you want to go to that? That's going to be sick. Yeah, it's, I'm sure. I talked to both Manning brothers at the fortieth anniversary party. Uh, okay. It took me a second because I'm not a sports guy. You're talking. I'm about not Pey either. But uh, Peyton Manning is one, and then and Eli. I want to say, oh, Eli. I was going to say Eli, like, yeah. I was going to say like Chuck Manning. <laughs> 
I, I wrote on the 40th season, so it was a big year. Oh, yeah. And then they had a big, giant anniversary show where, like, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, everybody came back. Uh, and they, like, that week, they were like, hey, you guys are new writers, so you don't have to come in at all this week. And it was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> like, okay, well, thanks. They're like the best, best and the brightest, not you guys. Yeah, not you guys. Yeah. And we're going to do, like, more King Tut stuff and, like, right. Samurai samurai uh dry cleaner they bring back like old like old school like writers yeah, to do of course. it was like stuff. a best of you know it was fun i mean and but we did get to go to this huge gala that had everybody who's ever been on the show and he was live band taylor swift was there <laughs> i just say taylor swift because she's kind of important right now right and she was very nice i hear she's great i've heard she's nothing she but was nice lovely i was like i lied and i was like my girlfriend's a huge fan could i get a selfie with you and she took a selfie. She was like really nice. She took a selfie and it was like kind of the lighting was kind of off. And I was like, oh, oh no. this is like kind of bad. Do you mind if. And she was like, oh, no, you could fix it. Took my phone, went into the photo app, started adjusting levels and increased the brightness. Oh, my I God. I could have taken 10 more selfies, but she just like <laughs> taught me how to like fix a photo. That's I mean, they say she goes above and beyond. That really is she, something. Yeah. I mean, she uh, she's a talent and she's like running the entire U.S. economy right now. But. So also that night, uh, I, all the writers and other, and, and people who work on the show were like, well, we got to get drugs, right? Right. I can talk about drugs on the show. Yes, please do. Actually, I encourage it. So I was in a rented tuxedo and I put in an order with a, a drug dealer. My guy was named Rick, uh, when I lived in Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Well, say his full name. Say, say his full name. <laughs> I don't. I didn't. I never got a full name. It's just Rick. <laughs> just Rick. Rick in my phone. Rick in person. I don't even remember what Rick looked like, but he would show up. He'd show up when you needed him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyhow, hey, so you job. put an order in. Put an order in. Collect a bunch of cash from everybody. The party was at some huge venue on like Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, and there's like this very famous intersection that's like probably Fifth and Park or something. So it's this huge. There's like six lanes from every side. This huge intersection. Uh, I run, I come out of the, the venue, I got all the cash, I'm gripping it in my hand, and the guy was like kitty corner across, and the, all the lights were red, it was like you can cross any direction, it was very cold and wintry and windy, and so I see his car, and I just start sprinting across the street, but as I'm running, like my tuxedo jacket catches on my hand and the money, and it just explodes like $300 in <laughs> 20s. Just explode in the middle of Fifth Avenue in no. Manhattan. Just, and it's windy. It's blowing everywhere. So I'm in a tuxedo, just like no. snatching, up, like I'm in a cash cage. Yeah. <laughs> but it's new. But new, the streets of New York City, the cash yeah, cage yeah. is you're, new, all of reality. <laughs> is, was, was that rock bottom for you? Is that when you felt like you knew you had a problem? or I think it probably tickled me so much that I was like, I'm never changing this life. <laughs> did you wait? Did you get the cash and did you get? Yeah, got the cash. I got the drugs. And then, yeah. you know, we continued, um, continued have, dancing. Having into a blast. Did Taylor Swift. Yeah. Uh, and by, um, no, I, no, I don't, I don't think <laughs> you don't so. know. You're not sure. I didn't think so. But part of the reason I, th I thought that, that would be, I thought all the old timers would be like, Hey, we're back in 30 rock. It's time to like ride the yeah. rails again. Huh? It's been right. a while. So I thought like I'd be in like a bathroom stall with Bill Murray and like Gilda Radner. I guess she probably wasn't alive. No, but, yeah. I'd be in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Up at the bath, the bathroom stall in Does heaven. Does this kind of ruin our career? This, this podcast, our career, our, our joint career. No, I don't think so. So, so you're working on, there's a new season of Rick and Morty coming. And your executive producer. That's very That's cool. Right. Like, yeah, it is cool. Is that like if I'm if I'm close enough friends with you, I could like voice a character on Rick and Morty? Like, you can get me in there. Like, I'm not saying yeah. me, but if I were friends with you, like, 
Yeah, probably. I've gotten my friends' voices, voice jobs on the show for sure. Yeah. Kind of my favorite thing is to get my friends' work. Have you ever thought about having like a guy who's like a kind of a Jewish like podcaster guy uh, who's from Pittsburgh like that as a Uh character? It could be kind of an interesting yeah you don't have a lot of characters like that on rick and morty we don't we don't we had an episode had a podcast in it so you that (laughs) ship may have sailed Uh, well you know i'm just not saying me it's a person like that (laughs) you're casting a you're casting a wide net though with yeah jewish podcasters it's like every jewish podcaster every second podcaster is yeah (laughs) can you get nick fury in there like what happens if you want to do a nick fury thing on rick and morty what happens i'm positive nick fury has been on the show (laughs) really sure i think so <laughs> it sounds right like we always kind of poop on marvel on this show i imagine he's been on there I mean, that sounds correct to me but i mean i was just thinking about your post credits concept and maybe there's a way to make that i mean with animation anything's possible yeah i mean so. there's like a there's like a fake avengers on the show called vindicators and they did a spin-off <laughs> show which was very good um so like our marvel universe is it but we've referenced marvel a lot yeah uh, but like you know morty's a big fan of the vindicators and that's basically marvel yeah, I'll get Fury in there. I would rather get Isn't Oppenheimer, it? and I think he probably has a better chance of making it in. I don't know why the there's, show. I mean, to the scene you described, there's no reason why that couldn't be put into the show wholesale. Like, I think that's... I think it could just, definitely be a tag of the, which is also a post credit scene of Rick and yeah. Morty. It could definitely be, apropos of nothing. <laughs> yeah, apropos of nothing, it's get whatever the final scene of Oppenheimer is, cut to the credit, or whatever. I guess it wouldn't even be the final scene. It's just, as you described it, just like... He's sitting at a table pondering what he's done, I guess. I assume it ends with him. Well, he's probably like a, wrapping a, he's, he's wrapping like a belt over a ceiling fan and he's setting up a little, like a Home Depot bucket that he's standing on. Right. Did he kill and himself? And there's a knock at the door. No, but I, in this scene he is. <laughs> I see. He's got yeah, that's, stakes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, right. There's a knock at the door. It opens. Yeah, he kind of rolls like, his eyes that, like, damn it. He's like, put that rope down or... Whatever he's mm-hmm. using, I guess. I don't know. Put that I like right back around your trousers, Mr. Oppenheimer. Right. We've I got, got, a job we've got somewhere to be. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I think I, I would love to see it happen. I mean, now that you've said it, now that you've brought it into my sort of uh, imagination, I, I'll be bummed if it doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, it would be fun. I mean, you know what? Maybe, God, see, but also here's the other thing. Now that we're talking about it, it's like, well, now we can't do it. No, you can't but, do it because it's out there. We have to cut this yeah. out of the show completely. And then it, it'd be, I mean, I'm willing to do that if you actually can deliver on it. I mean, we if you could commit to me, that you'll get the. <laughs> <laughs> but also we move pretty slow. You know, we're not South Park. Yeah. By the time that's fucking airs, Oppenheimer's going to be old news. Yeah. You got to have a way to get for it to be relevant. Like with, uh, it's got to yeah, be exactly. like, we, we just don't move that fast. We're not that live. Trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry with an education that empowers communities. Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public... The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. 
Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I like a nice topical thing, but I also really like an evergreen, like this exists in its own world and isn't... It's tough to do, I feel like it's tough to do ambitious animation on a fast turnaround i mean i guess ai will fix that right soon yeah you'll just tell the ai what you want and it'll spit it out (laughs) like the ceos will just put in what they want in the ai and then it'll just spit it out and they won't need anybody anymore i I mean i think i think it'll even be more than that josh you will put in i want an episode of rick and morty where they meet oppenheimer and nick fury and also i'm in it and i'm a podcast host yeah and i'm the one who introduces them and then you'll type that prompt into a laptop and it'll just spit out your own episode of rick and morty i think that's where it's going it sounds like it sucks so bad yeah. i can't even describe how shitty that sounds yeah. I, I we actually had we uh, we ran we ran the episode last i think last week of we had the ceo of um this guy david holes who's the ceo of um mid journey which is the art yeah one of the art ais and uh we definitely talked about that we touched on that a little bit but like i talked to the film critic david denby uh who i don't know if he still writes for the new yorker but i interviewed him many many years ago and he described like he, we were talking about interactive cinema And he was like, I kind of want movies to like dominate me. I want it to be like in control basically of like my sort of emotions or whatever. And I think like, I mean, maybe I'll, I'm going to go back in five years and I'm going to eat crow or whatever the fuck. I just don't believe that people actually will enjoy things that they think they want. I think, I think a lot of people enjoy things because they aren't what they expected. And I think that being able to tell a machine, no matter how clever it can be, like the things you want to have happen and then have them happen. It's like, you kind of can't tickle yourself, you know? Yeah. I think it's a little bit of that. And I think we're going to learn pretty quickly that 
the, uh, the after the kind of excitement of what it can do wears off there's a lot that there's a lot of a, there's a big gulf between your desires and what a machine can produce for you yeah i can see that i i i agree i think it'll be like look it's the first ai completed movie and we're all like i probably won't see it but uh (laughs) people will be excited about it but the pendulum will swing that way for a minute and then it'll come back to like i kind of liked it when weirdos just were allowed to make art that we got to experience yeah i think i don't know i mean maybe they'll be amazing maybe maybe the ai will come up with with like much more clever ideas and they'll be much funnier than than we think. And I don't know. I mean, anything's possible, but, and I'm sort of like, I expect that there'll be a lot of people's jobs who get screwed over in the process, but yeah, so I but just you know feel what? Those like corporations are going to let it trickle down. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, I mean, cause like, it's probably easier to do a full AI podcast because you don't have to worry about visuals. So like, are, is that make you nervous? I know this is kind of your big no, money maker. No, it's not my main gig. No, <laughs> um, no, because there is already, you don't need AI. You already have the entirety of humanity producing garbage podcasts. Like you don't, <laughs> and I, I mean, I'd say this is like, I may be a, a part of that. Like I'm not trying to tout, you know, don't toot my own horn or anything. There's already a, this is sort of like the content thing. That's like, we already have too much. Like it's not, the problem is not quantity, right? The problem actually is quality. I think that is, and I think increasingly one of the reasons why the streamers have suffered is they have like tried to create a a quantity sort of their, their equation is quantity. And what is lacking there is, is the quality. And eventually people catch on and they're like, wow, I have a mountain of things to see, but nothing I want to watch. And like, I think that's the same thing has, is happening just across the board. I think it's like, I think that's it to some extent has happened in music. I think, I mean, what that, what it looks like in, on the back end of it, uh-huh. I have no fucking idea. I think it's happening in like, in my world, like in news and media stuff. Like I think people are, have ex- been exhausted by like social media and like clickbait. And I think everybody's kind of like fatigued with this, like just the, the quantity of shit. And you're kind of like, God, I'd love just one good thing. Right. that feels real. And I think that's you know? why people get behind like, Oh, white Lotus. It's like, oh, okay, this is good. Let's all yeah. watch it collectively. This is nice. Well, we watched it, but then like 99% of other people didn't. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, there's stuff that you, you and I probably think being in our respective industries, <laughs> it's like, what is popular? And you right. know, what's popular is Yellowstone. Do you watch Yellowstone? No, I haven't. And somebody's like, it's been on for right. like 30 years. I've never. Yeah. Massively popular. I mean, it's like the most popular show. You've never seen an episode of it. And yet you've probably watched every episode of Succession. And you thought it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? No one else has watched Nobody it. Cares. Like yeah. 1 million people have watched Succession in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you know, we think it's important. We're coastal elites, you know? We, like it's, <laughs> we are. Exactly. <laughs> it's a show made by coastal elites, about coastal elites, for coastal elites. And it worked perfectly. Right, it worked but perfectly. I think, but you know, listen. And it's very rare that anything is super fucking good and popular. Like there's yeah. only a few, there's like a Beyonce and the, and Beatle, the Beatles and like, they're all B, everything is a everything B, is B, but yeah. like um, a, a, a B movie. Yeah. Well, that's another thing, yeah. but you know, like, right. I think, I think the film life force is high art, but do most people, most people don't even know it. I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, you don't even know it. Okay, can I make a recommendation? And I would like, if you can get everybody who's associated with Rick and Morty to participate. Yeah. If if they if everybody who's working on that has not seen the film Life Force, it is directed by Toby Hooper. It's based on a novel called The Space Vampires. It is written by Dan O'Bannon, who's the guy who created Alien. And it is one of the most insane and amazing films ever produced. Oh, and, oh, and the tonight. I believe I believe the soundtrack is by Henry Mancini. Uh, so it's like got a crazy soundtrack, like on, it is 
first off in my top five favorite movies of all time, but it's also like, I guarantee you it is unlike any film you've ever seen in your entire life. And if you're not, if you don't walk away feeling like thrilled by it, I'll be very surprised. I will watch this immediately. And I bet you, I bet you people in the room have seen this movie. I know. I was going to say, it's the kind of film that I would expect that people who are writing for Rick and Morty are pretty familiar with. It's a pretty obscure, even amongst like sci-fi weirdos, it's a seemingly kind of weirdly obscure thing. Sorry, I don't. I, I just want to bring it up whenever possible because I think it's such a gem of a film. Well, I want to ask you a question because you're talking about like podcasts and how there's a lot of podcasts. So Please I just do. what I wanted to ask was, I guess what it, what do you think is the worst podcast out there? <laughs> well, that's. I mean, I haven't heard it. I mean, the worst podcast is as you haven't heard it, but like, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, I, 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 well, you don't have to answer this. I'm trying to put you. On I find spot. like celebrities the podcast to be really annoying because it's like fuck you. Like you already have your like Dax Shepard. It's so fucked up that Dax. I have to compete. That we have to a lowly, ugly people like me have to compete with Dax Shepard. Like I'm sure he's yeah, a great guy. Love by the way, his podcast. No, he seems great, and he's a wonderful. He's wonderful, and I'd love to have him on. In fact, uh, <laughs> totally let's did. let's see if we can get him on. I'd love to interview him about his podcast. And you know, he seems lovely, and he's and, and Kristen Bell seems great, and he just seems like a great guy. But like Paul Rudd or something has a fucking podcast. I just feel like I don't know. Like oh, Jason Bateman's podcast yeah, is really popular. Really popular podcast, and it's three it's, like A-list yeah. movie stars, right? I just think it's fucked up. Like, let us have, let ugly people have something, you know? Like, I think we don't get much these days, you know? Like, I understand that everyone's more accepting, but it's not right. But worst podcast, I mean, that's a that's a tough one because I was probably like the Ben Shapiro show or something. Like, yeah, I would assume, probably. you know? Something like, that's like, like damaging our culture and um, society. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the top 100, there's all kinds of shit, like, you know, I don't know. It's like, you know, it's like the Chuck Bentley show or something. You're like, who's Chuck Bentley? And he's like, oh, he's a firebrand uh, MAGA preacher or whatever, and his his he has like twenty million subscribers to his podcast. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, Chuck Bentley's not a person as far as I know, but like it's that sort of right, right, know, that so. idea. Yeah, there's something for everybody out there, man. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Can I be honest with you? Like, yeah, that's fair. What do you think takes the most time of your day? What do you? What do you? Is your <laughs> you child? Mean, like, what do I spend doing? No, it's 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 like probably little problem solving things like that. Right. You know, I used to do a lot of like actual writing, but it's I find it to be very annoying. I'm not a person who enjoys the time it takes to write down words. Yeah, it's it. I mean, you're just banging your head against a brick wall the whole. It's miserable. It's you're yeah. alone. You're lost in your thoughts. You hate everything. Yeah. <laughs> It's miserable and magical at the same time. I do think I should, maybe this goal, I'll have a goal this year to be published in um, New Yorker. I always thought that would be fun. Oh, you could do that. Have little, yeah, online yeah. or in this actual magazine? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to have a physical copy, but I'd take what I can get. Online is definitely easier. I mean, you could start with online and see if they think it will graduate it into. I feel like you could definitely get something published. I don't know. What, what how do you, I know this podcast isn't about how to get published in the New Yorker, but like. No, well. What, the, but the, can, it, can it be for the last part? The easiest thing is that uh, somebody like me like introduces to somebody there who I know and go. I go like, oh, hey, this guy, Nick, he's super smart. He's one of the producers on Rick and Morty. He wrote this really funny thing or whatever. You should check it out. I mean, you know, it's right. all about nepotism and, you know, who you know. Yeah, yeah who you know. They, have, yeah. they take submissions. They publish like they actually publish those submissions all the time. And in fact, the New Yorker, in their defense, I should say, has really has made a practice in their entire history of like publishing unknown uh, not that you're unknown, like you're you're certainly known. No, I want special treatment. You must know 20 people who know somebody there, like for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's avenues that I should explore. Also, here's the thing. I'm never going to pursue this past this conversation. No? 
No, I don't know. I mean, you could do like a shouts and murmurs, like a little, like a little. Yeah, it would be some silly thing, you know. It's like a McSweeney's light kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They do a lot of like less interesting than McSweeney's comedy humor, rather. I should yeah, say. yeah, yeah. Like real dry humor. I, I guess I should start by reading a New Yorker once. <laughs> you should see what's in there. Yeah, it's a comic, right? Yeah, no. I think it'd be a real twist for you is to go and find like an unbelievable journalistic story like you go to fucking like somalia and like report on some incredible and like you just you're like this guy you're like your whole career has been like in comedy and writing and like you right. have an emmy Goofy. for fucking rick and morty but then you go and like just report out the hardest craziest fucking story ever right i like break the next coney story yeah yeah that's, well coney was fake i think that's turned out yeah uh, i yeah. think but but yeah you would crack that kind of case for the new yorker you know or you write the story they had a story about how I think it was New Yorker, maybe been the Atlantic. The, there's like a fault line there that's going to like make Seattle basically like fall off the the country. <laughs> like, like there's going to yeah. be an earthquake that will send Seattle out to sea or something, so, you know, or Washington, all of yeah, Washington. I, feel, I could dig into that. I feel like whatever I do, if it's like hard hitting, you know, journalism, I end it with. Nick Fury showing up and, <laughs> and asking Seattle to join the Avengers. <laughs> and then people get to the end, they're like, God damn it, this asshole, he's got one idea. Hank, yeah, but it's a good one. You know yeah. what? One idea, but it's a good one. I wish you could have gotten to Christopher Nolan before he finished the film to tell him this idea. Uh, Just like, there is some, we should, if only you had that inception device, yeah. you could have put him put him under and got right. him put this idea in his head. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a dream. Yeah. That's well, there's going to be a director's cut, so there's still time. Somebody has to film the scene and like do a bootleg, like an edit. <laughs> get Killian Murphy to just like, just, just do it. Just like, will you be in the scene with, if you, uh, anyhow, on, all right, man. look, well, we all right, we've talked this one to death. I think, yeah, yeah. I think you know what you need to do. Once the strike is over, <laughs> get, call Samuel L. Jackson, call Christopher Nolan, Killian Murphy and make uh-huh. it happen. Get a guy with a camera. <laughs> get a camera. I don't person. need to go through the whole production process, but you know, get <laughs> you'll a need light. You'll be need people to do lighting and probably some props. Probably need a COVID compliance officer on set. Yeah, um, yeah. You probably, yeah. Uh, you know, you have to find a location. Somebody has location scout, I guess. Yeah, I need <laughs> permits. You need right, permits. Well, I know so. we know what I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. It's just it's right there. Uh, Nick, this is, I gotta say, this is super fun. Super fun. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't sure what exactly we were going to talk about. There were definitely things I wanted to talk about. We hit all of those things and then went way beyond them. We skated through the routine and then into something very freestyle, which I enjoyed. It was a a real pleasure to talk to you. All right. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. We're going to do this again and, uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your, I assume, you know, beautiful Los Angeles day. Hotter than hell out there. Well, that is our show. I mean, so much show, really. Just all of, I mean, I don't even know if we need to do another show at this point. We captured, I would say, every possible human emotion on this one. And and I loved it, I gotta tell you. Even the even the human, even when we hit the human emotions of, uh, of depression and anger, I was still smiling through the pain. And that's really the most you can ask for in life, I think. So that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more What Future. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. 